From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. Figure out a way um, that works with your, you know, your EHR and your style to engage a patient. And some physicians I know um, will bring the patient right up to the EHR screen and show them the information right there and have a shared decision-making conversation. If that works with your you know, an individual physician's way of doing it, that's fantastic. That's Dr. Andrew Mellon talking about price transparency and having crucial conversations with patients about their healthcare options. In this episode of the MGMA podcast, we'll hear more about this underutilized tool in patient communication from Dr. Mellon and an esteemed panel of healthcare leaders. They'll explain why these conversations have the potential to transform patient education and patient engagement. But first, a word from our sponsors. The first healthcare compliance software solution creates confidence among compliance professionals through education, resources, and support in the areas of HIPAA, OSHA, human resources compliance, and fraud, waste, and abuse laws. Serving clients across the United States, the company's evolving platform provides real-time insight for board reporting and across multiple locations. For more information, please visit firsthcc.com. A proven payment solution for patients' out-of-pocket cost, the Care Credit Health, Wellness, and Personal Care Credit Card gives cardholders a convenient way to pay for treatments and procedures. Care Credit can help reduce time and effort devoted to billing and collections while increasing patient satisfaction. Learn more about how Care Credit helps providers deliver a better patient financial experience at carecredit.com slash MGMA podcast. The issue of price transparency is a readily available tool to physicians as part of their EHR platform has become more widespread as technology has changed. But getting frontline physicians to use those tools and to have those sometimes difficult conversations with their patients is still a work in progress, but it doesn't have to be. To make sense of price transparency, MGMA has partnered with SureScripts to develop a thought leadership discussion on how to have those crucial conversations with patients. We're joined today by panelist, Dr. Andrew Mellon, Chief Medical Information Officer at SureScripts, Dr. Jeffrey Hyman, Chief Medical Officer at EMDs, Jill Helm, PharmD and Vice President Solutions Management at Veridime Health, and Jason Wilson, Senior Director of Clinical Advisory Consulting Services at Greenway Health. Thank you all for being here and first, Let's define medication price transparency. Dr. Mellon, I wanna start with you. What are we talking about here? 
and how does that fit into the national conversation about healthcare cost? Yeah, medication price transparency is really making sure both the physician and the patient are fully aware of their costs associated with that medication. Um, costs are so important uh, related to adherence, related to really just what the patient's spending. Um, and so it's bringing that transparency of what that patient-specific economic cost will be at the point of decision-making. And it's so important now because of a number of reasons. First, medication costs have obviously been increasing and increasing. Secondly, uh, benefit plans have become more complex. And with those benefit designs, it's important for the patients to know not just if it's on or off formulary, but that specific impact of that medication. And third, you know, people care deeply about these costs. And I'll just share one statistic. We surveyed about 1,000 individuals, 1,000 consumers. And um, you know, this was actually a remarkable statistic to me. 28% to me. of millennials said they would be willing to find a new doctor based on whether or not that physician was able to have a medication cost conversation with them. So this is on everybody's mind right now, and it's critical for patient adherence and simply what they spend out of pocket. Wow, thank you for that. I wanna get all of our uh, panelists involved with that. So Dr. Hyman, I wanted to uh, give you an opportunity as well, what your thoughts are on this topic. Well, I agree exactly what was just said, except I like to expand that to all patients, not just millennials. I find that having that price conversation is more important to me with my Medicare patients than my younger patients. Um, I don't have a study to back that up and I'm glad uh, the other participant uh, brought that up. Um, but mine's more anecdotal. I see patients every day. And when mm -hmm. I'm in the room with a Medicare patient, before this price transparency, I never had a conversation about price. And I never really followed up on adherence to medications. I never thought it was my job to. But then I kept realizing some of my diabetic patients, especially during COVID, are choosing between medication or rent or food. And you know some really um, stronger items of social determinations of health, determinants of health. So I find that to be extremely important to all my patients. Thanks so much, Dr. Hyman. Jill, I wanted to get you to weigh in as well. What's been your experience with price transparency and getting that national conversation going here? Sure. Uh, thanks so much. And actually, I'd like to just expand a little bit on Dr. Mellon's comments. And price transparency not only is about having that pricing information available at the point of care, but also including actionable insights, ways to provide cost alternative medications, cost alternative delivery channels for the patients. And so what we've found with our providers um, is that it helps bring the patient into the cost conversation. Um, and I agree, it's all patients. Um, but also empowers patients to make choices, right? So now we're introducing consumerism into that, into that conversation and empowering patients to help make decisions about their therapy 
at the point of care. Yeah, Jill, thanks for bringing up two topics there, empowerment and consumerism. I mean, that's really what we're looking at here. Jason, any final thoughts then on this particular topic? Uh, only that, you know, when we think about the transformation occurring nationally in relation to the cost of healthcare rising and what our nation's really facing with its economic crisis right now, really echoing, all, I think, all the panel's thoughts that when it comes down to it, if we don't have those conversations about the direct costs and indirect costs and social determinants, as Dr. Hyman was referring to, we're really doing a disservice uh, to the patients and the care they're desiring. And uh, as, as other panelists here have already referred to, um, you know, there are multiple studies showing that when it comes down to it, the adherence uh, to those um, treatment regimens are, are crucial. And, and, you know, speaking as a nurse and as a patient advocate myself, you know, having the technology at the time and place of care to really demonstrate what is the cost of a medication, what is the copay or patient responsibility, and what are those out-of-pocket expenses, uh, you know, as a reminder, it doesn't have to all fall on the shoulders of the prescribing provider. It really is the healthcare team. And, and so I think that's the challenge of part of our transformation as well that we need yeah. to look at. Yeah, thanks, Jason. I wanna stick with you, Jason, um, for our next question. Um, I can see how price transparency solutions can help patients. How do these tools help providers, their staff, and their practice overall? Uh, thanks, Daniel. I, you know, I think really, it really provides um, an opportunity for that level of transformation. You know, there's a lot of buzzwords in healthcare as it relates to value-based care and how practices will uh, transform from fee-for-service to value-based outcomes. And, you know, I would make the argument, right, if you don't have a, why do, why do patients go to the doctor? They go to have a diagnosis, to have symptom management. What's the primary uh, route of symptom management? It's really the medication regimen. So if we don't have those type of conversations occurring amongst our nurses or medical assistants performing um, medication triage before the provider sees those patients, if we don't have those conversations with uh, pharmacists as, as follow-up um, in their adherence and, and what their interactions are, and then obviously having to balance, um, I think as uh, Dr. Hyman alluded to earlier, you know, what is the cost of care versus what is the cost of my housing or transportation, right? You know, I, I think, I think the, the old uh, uh, transactional part of I'm going to do a sick visit only, um, you know, we've, we've seen uh, continuous quality measures be um, instituted by the government for that. And, and so I think really what's nice about this type of topic is that this is really about the patient outcome and how um, providers really can start to reestablish that relationship outside of other transactional measures, if that makes sense. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Jill, what are your thoughts then? Jason was talking a lot about that transaction, transactional side and getting away from that. Uh, where are your thoughts going? Sure. Um, on price transparency, um, it's interesting. Um, we've actually been speaking with our providers and what's been most impactful to us and what we're hearing from our, our providers, um, actually about 91% of our providers feel like 
not having that financial information at the point of care is actually a barrier to them prescribing some medications, particularly as you think about patients that require some of the more costly specialty therapies, more of the biopharmaceutics. Um, they're actually seeing um, a reluctance to prescribe those medications for the patients because they don't know what the impact is going to be to the, to the patient's pocketbook. Um, but also we see this being a time saver for our physician practices as well. By eliminating that rework of the prescription, by getting it right the first time and eliminating that phone call from the pharmacy back to the physician um, when the patient you know, simply can't afford their medication, um, we're seeing that as improving provider workflow, decreasing those callbacks, and overall creating more efficiencies at the point of care. Mm -hmm. Dr. Hyman, I wanted to send this to you then as a provider. I mean, how has this impacted you? What is price transparency? Uh, how does it help with that flow and, and engaging with that patient for you then? That's a great question. The, the one thing that comes to mind that I do all the time is most patients are attached to their local pharmacies for whatever reason. They've been shopping there for a hundred years. They just, they know the people behind the pharmaceutical counter and they feel comfortable going there. But with some, with most insurances, the price differential from going local is dramatic. So my conversation always starts with, look, if you want me to send this to the mom and pop pharmacy, I respect that. But if I give you 30 days, it's going to cost you 25 bucks. If I send 90 to whatever your clearing is, the 90 will cost you $10. And that's the conversation that to me is a great startup conversation. And that, that helps open the conversation. What Jill just said about those callbacks, those callbacks are a tremendous waste of time. The front staff gets them. They've got to get me out of a room if they think it's important. They message me. If they don't get me out of the room, they then send me a message. I have to do the message at the end of the day. I have to call the pharmacy back. I have to push one, then six to get to the pharmacist. That's a lot of valuable time being wasted by just opening up that conversation at point of service in the room. Mm -hmm. Thanks for that. Uh, Dr. Mellon, final thoughts on this topic. Yeah, it, when I think about price transparency solution, it expands on what all of my colleagues have talked about. It's also other related information about the medication. So a good example is related to the prior authorization. And you know, for many times a doctor may prescribe a medication um, and it needs a prior auth. And that we know takes time and is a burden. Um, at the same time, though, there may be alternatives shown that don't need a prior authorization, or maybe there's something they can change around day supply or a number of pills, whatever it is, that will eliminate the need for the prior authorization. In the past, that information was invisible. They wouldn't know that and you know, generally automatically get the prior auth. But what we're seeing with these kinds of price transparency tools is the ability to, to have this information and then potentially change to a therapeutically equivalent regimen, but completely avoid the prior auth altogether. And you know, I, as I talk to my colleagues, prior auths are time consuming and challenging. So anything to avoid those is really a win, not just for them, but their entire practice. 
Okay. Uh, Jill, I want to have you kick off this next question. Um, many of our listeners are medical practice leaders. Um, in discussing, discussing price transparency, when we look at it through the lens of a medical practice, how should the leaders communicate the value of having the medication cost conversation with their providers? That's an excellent question. Thank you. Um, and what we see for many of our practices is rather than um, adding this as yet another thing on the list, right, of things that a provider needs to do during a patient encounter, that it's really best to involve um, a larger group within the practice, more healthcare professionals, such as the nurses, the MAs, um, those personnel that are speaking with a patient um, during the intake um, or perhaps providing information to the patient um, as they're leaving and scheduling their next, their next appointment. So the more people uh, in the practice that can be involved in the price conversation, um, I think the more seamless it is for the patients and the less of a perceived burden it is um, on the providers. I think it's also, um, you know, there's some great conversation starters that SureScripts has provided um, as tips for physicians to get the price conversation going, right? And just sharing that information with the patients, getting the patients engaged in their care, offering them a decision, you know, as Dr. Hyman mentioned, you know, uh, your choice of pharmacies, or as Dr. Mellon mentioned, um, having a prescription, the dosage of a prescription, um, you know, split into number of, of tablets or having it as one prescription maybe versus two separate prescriptions can actually result in a dramatic change in what the patient's out-of-pocket costs are. And I think having them um, interact in a dialogue to discuss those, those different options is a great way to reduce uh, reduce the burden and get the conversation going for providers. Mm -hmm. Jason, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I'm going to really kind of focus my response on the value of the medication conversation, I guess, from a patient perspective and, and really call out the fact that, you know, patients want to have the conversation, but they're fearful in bringing it up. And so just like Jill said, you know, there are some great techniques to, to kind of start the conversation, as well as Dr. Hyman in the prior question mentioned about the uh, alternatives as well, right, of, of uh, all medically accepted alternatives uh, from the medical context. The other part is, I think from a value perspective, is that when, as Jill was alluding to, when we think about the administrative burden that keeps getting tacked on to the patient visit for a minute, I think it's also important to realize that patient satisfaction about the quality of care in studies has shown that it will improve as a result of having that conversation. And I think that's, you know, uh, Dr. Mellon mentioned that earlier before, as he referenced, I think, a study on a millennial perspective, that when we think about patient engagement and patient satisfaction, you can't have anybody more engaged in their, in their care when you really think about um, what their fears are, what their concerns are, and what those barriers might be to, to adherence to a treatment plan. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Mellon, I mean, 
how should leaders think about incorporating the cost conversation into their routine practice processes and workflows? How do you get that in there? Yeah, you know, I've been involved in health IT for 20 years now and adoption and change is really difficult. You know, this is a kind of feature or capability that I've heard great feedback on. I mean, a number of doctors said this is one of the best clinical decision support tools they've ever had in their EHR. But knowing that, I mean, there's still a large number of physicians who, for whatever reason, ha- you know, aren't eager to do something else in the exam room. And it could be because they're not aware that the capability exists. It could be because they're worried it's going to take more time in the exam room when their time is so limited. It could be because they don't believe they should have that conversation with the patient. They don't feel like it's their responsibility. So what's really important as a, as a practice leader is a, is a few things. One is making sure they understand the value of this, not just to the patient, but to the physician. You know, the, the rework, the callback that Dr. Hyman talked about, um, you know, improving that personal experience is super important. I think number two, as my colleagues have talked about, doing this in a deliberate way where they think through practice workflows and, uh, you know, and uh, making sure that it's not just something that's turned on, but it's, it's uh, really thought about how to involve the whole practice staff. And I think number three, communication, you know, just like anything else, sometimes you have to repeat things a number of ways and a number of times for it to stick, you know, whether it's get in that communication comes from peers and super users or written or short videos or patient testimonials or success stories, there's all kinds of way to do it. But I think the biggest thing is don't just expect this, to, you know, to flip the switch and have, you know, 100% adoption. You'll definitely get a number of physicians really eager to use it, but to really see the value and benefit, it should be a systematic effort. Mm-hmm. Dr. Hyman, as you know, we're, we're in a, a state of confusion and chaos right now. We're trying to make sense of, you know, what, what's going on in the medical community and in healthcare and our public health. Are we safe? Uh, uh, are we you know, able to go visit a practice. So it would seem like having these really open, engaged conversations would benefit the provider. So, you know, as someone who can gain the trust of their patients by having these price conversations, uh, why would you not have them? Help us, help us understand that side of it. Yeah, that, that's an in-depth question. First, let me say that in a recent study, most people, more people trust their primary care doctor than uh, sort of other people that were asked. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of trust in primary care. Primary care is ready to accept patients back into the offices. The rooms are ready. The staff is ready. We're all protected. Um, So we are ready for this. We're ready for these discussions about price transparency You know, if you build it correctly, they will come, so to speak. So if the EHRs works to make sure that it's in the right place where you don't have to click and pull and drag to see this, doctors will use it because of everything that we've mentioned in the past, all the reasons we've mentioned in the past. Mm -hmm. I want to stick with you here, Dr. Hyman. Um, We all agree that these price conversations with patients should happen. So what are some of the do's and don'ts when having those conversations? What should you say? What shouldn't you say? 
the don'ts, if a patient gives you the smallest amount of pushback and says, look, I really like Bob at uh, my Rite Aid, the conversation stops. Okay. Do not push this on the patient. Don't make the visit about cost because then it changes the whole tone of the relationship between patient and doctor. If there's any pushback, I tell my docs, stop. And I stop immediately. In terms of do, um, the conversation is always very, very low keyed and very non-pressurized. I mean, you know, do you want to talk about price? You know, I could offer you a less expensive alternative. Most people for Synthroid love the brand name for whatever reason. Um, and it's very expensive at times. So that's a conversation, but it's a gentle conversation. So those are my do's and don'ts. You don't want to be um, banging the patient over the head with this. You want to sort of bring it in calmly into the conversation so the choice really becomes theirs to continue. Okay, thanks. Dr. Mellon, from your experience, what are uh, some lessons learned here in those do's and don'ts as far as patient conversations? Yeah, I'll share uh, a few of those. One don't is don't assume. Don't assume by your patient that they don't have a cost problem. You know, they, they, you may be surprised. They may have had a job change. They may have other struggles. So don't assume by how they dress, how they carry themselves, even past history. So that leads to a do of just having a consistent way to ask every time. Um, and I totally agree with Dr. Hyman about, you know, low pressure, non-threatening, non-provocative way, but a way that allows a patient to sort of open their mind and, and you know, say something that maybe is really uncomfortable to them, that they are struggling. I think the other do is figure out a way um, that works with your you know, your EHR and your style to engage a patient. And some physicians I know um, will bring the patient right up to the EHR screen and show them the information right there and have a shared decision-making conversation. If that works with your, you know, an individual physician's way of doing it, that's fantastic. I think well, I've never sense. done that. You know, that's a good idea. Thank you, Dr. Nam. I've never actually showed them the screen. That's a good yeah. idea. Okay. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you both for that. Jason, let's get your thoughts on that. Any do's and don'ts that you would offer to us? And do you put that down in writing and, and share it with the team? I mean, what do you do to make that take that next step? So not only you are doing it right, but the rest of the organization is doing it right as well. Yeah, I think as my colleagues mentioned earlier, um, I think it's, uh, you do have to make sure that you are having a, a systematic or systemic approach to this conversation and change because in the end you don't want to make any one particular patient feel like they're being centered out um, where they might feel marginalized or subpar because they might feel that you're judging them you know whether based on a social determinant or or what what's going on and i think if it comes from the perspective always from the perspective of the quality of healthcare that you're trying to get for that person um, I couldn't reiterate uh, more what Dr. Uh, Mellon had said. You know, I, I think one of the, the things that we don't take advantage of about enabled technology at the time and place of care is that when those patients are there in front of part of that technology, there's many studies, right, relating to the distraction from care. But I think if you can kind of show them 
the screen that you can see the alternatives that are there, that you can see if a pre-auth is required, that you can see what their out-of-pocket expenses, that, that you're trying to take that extra step and making sure that they'll be able to adhere to the treatment plan. And in the end, it's the care, right? That, that you care about them. Mm -hmm. uh, Jill, uh, final thoughts on this topic from you, any do's and don'ts that you would recommend? Thank you. So um, I'm going to show my age here, right? As a pharmacist for 30 years, um, I've actually seen the price of medications jump dramatically. And so I think that we should assume that um, there is pricing pressure or, or pressure across all of our patient population. Right, I would, I would assume that, you know, for most people, um, if they're on any type of chronic medication, there's a significant out-of-pocket cost. And it's very interesting when you start to look at some of the price transparency information that actually comes through on the prescriptions, just how expensive these medications are for patients. Um, when I started practicing pharmacy, it was not uncommon for a patient to have a zero or a $5 copay for a 30-day prescription. Now we routinely see $50, $75, $100 or more for a single medication for a 30-day supply for a patient. And so that starts to get into some serious um, dollars and serious cost burden on patients. And the other um, thing to realize is that we've always had um, price information um, in the practice for uh, a long time. Um, when I go in and see some of our clinics, I notice that they have sticky notes on their computers so they know which retailers have the zero cost generic antibiotics or the $10 30-day supply for diabetes medication. And this takes those sticky notes and actually puts them into the provider workflow and into that patient-specific, therapy-specific prescribing space. So we see it as a real, as a real efficiency there um, to be able to start those conversations. Mm -hmm. that, that is a great story. And Jill, I want to stick with you then for this next question. I want to get each of the panelists here to give an example of what this looks like in action. I know you gave a good one there, Jill, but uh, I want to get a success story from each one of you. So Jill, if you have one more to share with us, and then we'll, we'll uh, talk to the other panelists as well. I actually have two that I'll share with you. Okay. Um, one is, you know, since this is back to school time, um, for uh, a lot of a lot of us, a lot of us that have children, I happen to have children that are that are going to college. And my daughter recently went to her physician and got got a prescription. The physician was actually going to write her two prescriptions based on her dosage of the medication. And when she saw the cost, she was able to have a conversation with the physician about changing that to just one prescription. So she'd only have to pay one copay and just take a few more tablets, right? Rather than having mm -hmm. those two separate prescriptions and having to pay two copays. And she said, you know, mom, I'm a college student on a fixed income. I can't afford two copays. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, good for you, you know, right? 
yeah. <laughs> that's, um, so that was a little proud, proud mama moment for me. Sure. Um, but also, uh, again, hearing from our providers, you know, there's always been a question of, is that price transparency information in the EHR really the same information that the pharmacist gets? And is that really what the patient will pay? And we actually had, um, uh, one of our providers had a patient who had two different insurances and got the prescription under one insurance, got the price transparency information. When they went to the pharmacy, the price was different and they're trying to figure out why. And it's because the pharmacy used a different insurance that wound up costing, you know, that would have cost the mm -hmm. patient more. So they're like, no, 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 process it under my other insurance because I know I'll pay less. So those are two great examples of how we know price transparency works. Right, those are great. Uh, Dr. Mellon, let's, let's pick up with you then. What, what's a success story you can share with us? Yeah, I'm gonna share a really personal one from, a, I'm gonna quote a, uh, uh, med school classmate of mine who I just reconnected with uh, recently. But so here's the story. I saw her at our, my reunion. I won't say how long. It's been too long. Uh, she's a pediatric pulmonologist and, you know, just had a great, I, I haven't really kept up with her, but we had a great conversation. She said, she just sent me an email and said, after the reunion, I started using the new feature that allowed us some insights into the cost of meds for our patients before prescribing. It totally helps. I've been meaning to email you and express my appreciation. You know, and she is a pediatric pulmonologist, as I said, a very vulnerable population, one where, you know, adherence to steroid inhalers, which can be very costly, um, especially if it's not on formula, are super important. So, you know, those little stories like that, I've heard, you know, variations of that again and again about how this helps make physician decision-making better and a better outcome for their patients. So that made my day when I got that email. Yeah, that's a great story. Dr. Hyman, let's hear a success story from you. What's, what's happened in your uh, practice that you wanna share with us? Without being a specific, because we've mentioned so many different types of stories, just to be broad based, the possibility of sending it to a clearinghouse versus local pharmacies happens about 10 times a day and that's important. And generic versus brand comes up all the time, especially Synthroid. Like I mentioned before, hypertensive medicines all the time. I got um, used to saying Avalide and Benicar, and I keep writing that into my prescription writer, and it comes up as a brand name, and I keep, keep seeing the price differential from $125 to $5 in Losartan. So, you know, Without being specific, um, those are the types of stories that practitioners experience all the time. The key here is to get them to use it and to open up the conversations, which were the beginning parts of this conversation. Um, those are where the value to me lies with price transparency. Okay, thank you for that. And then Jason, let's hear, let's hear a success story from you. So, you know, I, I really am very excited about the um, evolution of the technology for providers in, in providing that tech guidance for price transparency. And where things started out from a medication and a copay cost perspective, having the ability, uh, you know, in like our software to really look at what of that out of pocket cost is and what that deductible uh, estimated remaining amount is 
really does change the conversation because, you know, many times, you know, in prior conversations, it was about Medicare patients meeting their annual deductible before. But now with so much of the insurance industry and market moving to high cost deductible plans, this level of information is so important. So I can tell you as a, as a cardiac nurse and an and a ER nurse for years and years before I went into technology, uh, there's two things that come to mind. And one was um, I used to carry a, a Palm Pilot back in the days, even in the early 90s. Palm Pilot. Uh, I won't say the product I used, but I would look at national averages for pricing in the late 90s and turn to my ER physicians and say, Doc, I looked at this patient. She doesn't have any insurance for this antibiotic for her child. Is there another alternative that will work for her? And sometimes we found a therapeutic substitution. Sometimes we found um, sample medications. It was all about trying to help the child that needed that antibiotic. And then the other one from that out-of-pocket expense is that when you really start to have those conversations with folks, I had many seniors. And what I found with their statin medications is that they were on the same, the husband and wife were on the same statin medication, but he took it odd days, she took it even days. And when, when I had that conversation with my supervising physician, it really started to break down those barriers of that conversation of, hey guys, I understand what you're doing. Let's see what alternatives we can come up with because that's not gonna really create the therapeutic effect that we were going after, even though they were trying to be as adherent as they could. Right, uh, that was a great story. And it, the Palm Pilot reference uh, took us all down memory lane for a minute. So thank you for sharing that with us, Jason. Um, this has been a great discussion on price transparency. Uh, I want to thank all, thank all of you for being here, but before we close, I want to give each of you an opportunity to provide some final thoughts on medication price transparency and where you see we can offer practice leaders insight or a takeaway or a tool for their own practices. Um, Dr. Mellon, let's start with you. Sure. You know, I reflect back on the email I shared from my colleague and that one minute conversation I had with her proved to be very beneficial. And, you know, my encouragement to the practice leaders, the one to do is really understand what your EHR offers. And over 88% of the EHRs, over 88% of US prescribers today are served by an EHR that has this feature or will have it soon. And you know, understand that this is a win, not just for the patient, but for the practice and the physician. And, you know, figure out ways to have those, maybe it's a one minute conversation for that super busy physician who may not realize that this exists in their EHR and get them over the edge. Some are harder, some are easier. Uh, some conversations are harder and easier, but awareness is critical. And so, you know, the to do is understand what it is, how it works in your EHR, and find ways to communicate to your providers because they may love to know to have this, but just haven't taken the time to even notice this new pop-up or this new set of information on their screen in their busy day. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Jason, let's hear from you. What are some final thoughts you'd like to share with us? You know, I, I, I'm going down, I guess, the motivational track, Daniel, and that is, you know, have an open discussion with all of your staff in the office, whether they take an inbound call or your clinicians that are prescribing or, or the nurses that are working those calls. 
and really encourage them to share their wins of how they've made a patient difference with this type of change. Because um, I think one, we're naturally competitive, but two, I think we're in this business because we've got a servant heart. And I think it's those kind of stories that really drive the success. And sometimes when you're having a bad day or a stressed day, it kind of reminds you of why we're all doing this to, to try to help people and, and provide better patient outcomes. Thank you. Jill, what are your final thoughts? Uh, so first, I'm encouraged by the willingness of health plans and pharmacy benefit managers to share this information. So we're seeing price transparency available on almost all of our patients that are seen by physicians using our EHR. And we're continuing to see that information get increasingly richer um, into those 90-day pricing, into those therapeutic alternatives. And that's very encouraging uh, to our practices. But also to emphasize that this is an opportunity for increased patient satisfaction as well. In a survey with our providers, we found that 85% of them felt that having price transparency information available at the point of care actually increased patient satisfaction with the practice. And so who doesn't want happier patients leaving their office? And just get started, right? To echo Andrew's comments, let, you know, just find a way to get started, share those stories within your practice, and start to open up the dialogue. That's great. Dr. Hyman, let's hear from you last. Uh, what are some final thoughts you'd like to share with us? Perfect. And I want to thank you for allowing me to participate in this panel. And it was great listening to my fellow colleagues. They all had great things to say. My final thoughts, knowing that quality and patient care is the most important. I want to just go down a different avenue for a second. What I teach my doctors in my group and, and for me practicing is quality and incentive payments have become very important in the bottom line of practices um, from insurance and payers. Medication adherence is a triple weighted incentive um, qu uh, quality measure. If we could help these patients stay with their medications and prove adherence, we get a large incentive payment at the end of the year. So we're doing quality medicine, enhancing our quality scores by believing and following the medication adherence, helping patients adhere to, um, uh, to their medication regimens. And that's a win-win situation. And um, that's, my, that's my piece on that. <laughs> that's great, Dr. Hyman. Well, Dr. Hyman, Dr. Mellon, Jill, Jason, I want to thank you so much for sharing these thoughts with us today and, and being part of this panel discussion on a very important topic. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guests, Dr. Andrew Mellon, Dr. Jeffrey Hyman, Jill Helm, and Jason Wilson for their insights on price transparency. To learn more from industry experts on how to communicate with and educate your patients about important healthcare issues, be sure to attend 
MGMA's Virtual Medical Practice Excellence Conference, October 19th through the 21st. You can register for the event at mgma.com slash MPEC. And thanks to SureScripts for helping make this episode possible and for their part in designing the content for today's panel discussion. Please see our show notes to learn SureScript's five medication cost conversation starters. In addition, you can find out if price transparency is available in your EHR. And finally, thanks to First Healthcare Compliance and Care Credit for sponsoring this week's show. To learn more about the FIRST Healthcare Compliance Platform, go to firsthcc.com. And to learn more about how Care Credit is helping providers deliver a better patient financial experience, visit carecredit.com slash MGMA podcast. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or experts you'd like us to interview, email us at podcast at mgma.com or find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. MGMA Insights is presented by Declan McGee, Rob Ketchum, and I'm Daniel Williams. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership. Thanks.